Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai, entrepreneur, wife, and mother of three, once divorced and now remarried to a much younger man, uncut and uncensored with Caroline Stanbury follows me as I live my life unapologetically and shows you that there is life after 40. I'm here to let you know that not only is there a life after divorce, but you have the power to make it your best one yet, just like I did. So buckle up and join me for the wild ride. So welcome back to another episode of Uncut and Uncensored with Caroline Stanbury. And today I am joined by Dr. Jody Carrington, who is a leading force in corporate healthcare, education, HR industries, and has written a couple of books, best-selling author and a speaker. So welcome, Dr. Jody, to the show. Very excited to have you on and um, was looking through your bio and had so many things I want to talk to you. So welcome. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. I am so excited about this conversation. We got we got a lot of problems to solve today. We do. And I actually <laughs> looked at I mean, so many of the topics were relevant, but I, I really feel in today's world and with the bombardment that we have with social media, our children taking on men's roles, I wanted to talk to you today specifically about burnout because it's something I've definitely felt like might happen to me and I'm sure every other woman on the planet has. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk about burnout, the definition of it, first of all, but I but I think you're absolutely right. We have never been this inundated with social media. We've never been this inundated by so many things that are happening in the universe and our brains aren't ready for it. You know, Adam Grant talks a lot about this. We are playing by a set of rules that was established for a world that no longer exists. So I think in today's world, we are just bombarded with extra things that a woman can do because we're meant to be sexy. We're meant to be competing with younger women we're meant to be wives, we're meant to be mothers, we're meant to be entrepreneurs. And now we're paying half the bills or all the bills at the same time. Well, here's the thing. I, I think that this is the first generation of women where roles have not been clear. We come from generations where role clarity was so clear. If you were born with a vagina, you knew the plan. Okay. If you were born with a penis, you knew the plan. Huh? Your job is to do this, to have babies, to stay home. Your job as a man was to do this, go out, make a living and come home and, and together do the thing. Huh? There was very little freedom in that place. Now, in just one generation, we've, we're getting what we've been asking for as, 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 a, as a world in so many ways, the freedom to be who we are and to, to make money and to develop careers and to, to identify in whatever body we want to identify in. The freedom is beautiful. 
The cost, if you will, if we can even call it that, is a lack of role clarity. And as humans, we love structure and predictability and what can we expect? What is our job? And this is the first generation where we're writing a new set of scripts. And part of the issue is one of my heroes, Grace Murray Hopper, she was one of the first female admirals in the U.S. Navy. She said this, one of the most dangerous phrases in the English language is it's always been done this way. And so when we get overwhelmed, we're just like, we don't have a clue. Let's uh, All we know is what we've done before. And so this is really nobody's fault. Like it's not, this is not women. This is not women. I mean, I, as you, I have three children. I have two boys and a girl. I have a set of twins who are 10 and our oldest is 13. I, they're, they're so remarkable. I have so much hope for kids these days because they have so much more ability to have the hard conversations that just weren't allowed around our kitchen tables. Huh? And so we're in this beautiful place where there's so much, so much opportunity, but there is so much responsibility that comes with the complete inundation of this data. Well, you say that because, you know, I, I thought freedom to choose and freedom to have all these choices is a remarkable, amazing thing, obviously. But then I read the other day that because we are taking all these roles and, you know, Instagram in a way and social media is presenting everybody's a millionaire, everybody's successful, everybody is doing well that there are more teenage suicides today than ever. And there are more, you know, male suicides than ever because they, they are being told that they need to provide the money, buy the bags, provide this lifestyle for women that is no longer or is incredibly hard to obtain for these men. Oh, my gosh. So I'm over here in North America. Highest rate of suicide is middle-aged men. And and here's the issue. People say this to me all the time. You know, what does this mental health crisis look like? As a psychologist, I, I think that the answer is so clear to me. Here's the thing that you will never automate. Okay. You will never automate relationship. We are neurobiologically wired for connection. If you disconnect from an infant, they die. Our job in order to sustain humanity is to stay connected. But it's never been, whoever made that rule is fantastic, but they also made this rule. The hardest thing you will ever do is look into the eyes of the people you love. Yeah? The, the the research around this is profound. If you have an opportunity to not look at your partner, you'll take it. And I mean, Anon did this beautiful study uh, called The Four Minutes of Connection out of Singapore. And it's so beautiful. He said, "Here, here's my only research platform. I only want you to look at somebody you love for four minutes and watch what happens. And so when I was reading this research, I was like, how hard can that be? My personal husband and I, we've been married for 15 years. We got six degrees between us. We procreated a few times. I mean, I, I love this guy. So I came home and I say to him, hey, I was reading this research today. Um, I think it's kind of cool. Can we just sit down and look at each other for four minutes? And you know what he said to me? Why? I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Why? I had a lot of choices in 2009 and I chose you. So sit down and friggin' look at me. And you know what he said? So he's a scientist. And he said, Okay, fine. As long as we can time it. Oh, because God forbid we go over the four minutes. And in this process of even looking at each other, what happens in the first 30 seconds is it's uncomfortable. You have a massive history with this human and you're making faces at each other. You're wondering how long the four minutes are. If you can sustain the four minutes, by the time you get to that, there's emotion that will come because so much of what's written between us doesn't have words. And when we've now never not looked so much, in fact, it is estimated that our great grandparents looked at their children 72% more of the time than we look at our babies. And the reason why that becomes important is the only way you know that you matter 
The only way you learn how to regulate emotion, make good decisions, be kind, use your words, is somebody has to show you. They cannot tell you. And if we have never been this distant from each other in terms of proximity, I mean, think about the square footage of the house that your grandfather was raised in and the square footage of the house in which we raise our babies. What's the difference? It's a, it's a significant deal, yeah? So we look all the time, but we don't see. We're just so distracted all the time as well, I think. But I think also that, you know, with computers and everything else, we've become so insular and we're being fed such one-sided information all the time that it's frightening. So, you know, we have to be, and, and men have to be everything to everyone too. Women have to be everything to everyone. It, and as you said, I think the the roles being defined, even if we didn't like them before, and I think we all fought against them, which is, you know, it irritates me that, the you know, the man always has to pay the bill. No, he doesn't. You know, I, I don't mind taking my guy out for dinner once in a while. I don't mind doing all of those things as long as you're a team. I, I mean, I've spit bills on dates. I'm cool with that. I don't need someone to take care of me and actually prefer to to have it equal or to feel like I have some power. Well, well, I think we all want to to feel like we are seen and that we matter in any particular relationship. When you come from a generation, however, that is, you, you just know what you know to be true because of the way that you've experienced it. And people say this to me all the time, you know, as a psychologist, does it always come back to your childhood? Does it always come back to, you know, the relationships and the way you grew up? The answer is unequivocally yes, because that is how we write the script on what is the expectation of us and how other people are going to treat us in relationship. So if you come from multiple generations of abuse, neglect, and trauma, your understanding of how people operate in the world is very different than somebody who's lived in a position of privilege or has watched their parent or their mother or their father be successful in any regard. That's how we learn and unlearn what our job is. And we're very much in this generation now. I say this to people all the time. I mean, I'm the CEO of my own company. I, I'm the primary breadwinner in our marriage. I travel all over the world. And my mother-in-law you know, would ask me all the time, well, what about the kids? Right? Or, what, what, what if one of them gets sick? And I, it's, it's rewriting a script for her that says, listen, I married your son who is pretty phenomenal with Tylenol. He, he's going to be able to handle it if one of the babies gets, you know, shocker. But it is, it, it's not because they're awful people or that they don't want what's best for their children or their grandchildren. It's like you, when you only know one thing to be true, it becomes very difficult to rewrite that script. So how do we have empathy for the fact that the expectation of women is still very entrenched in the way that we show up in the world? It's, feel, it's very entrenched in the way I think about what I should be doing. The constant guilt that I have. I don't fucking like to make cookies, but I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of motherhood. I love my children more than anything, but you know what I love most? My career. I love writing and speaking and creating. I love all of those things, right? I don't feel super confident, as ma most women don't, in raising children. In fact, that's the place where I feel the dumbest. Huh? I'm a PhD psychologist, and I can tell you or anybody else how to deal with children. I wrote a best-selling book called Kids These Days. If you watch me with my own personal children, you wouldn't buy the book. Because we are very good at telling other people what to do. And it becomes very difficult to, you know, when it comes to our own. And so being able to have that opportunity to have these conversations like you bring up here every day that like, it's okay, you don't have to love all of these things as we're trying to write these new roles. It's not because people for generations have attempted, not always specifically to oppress each other. It's because this is the way that it's happened. So how do we rewrite those rules? There's going to be pushback. Because this is the only thing people know to be true, including us as women. 
Well, I think it's like, you know, when I had my babies, everyone sort of chirps in and tells you things that they used to do. And actually, all of this, I always say to friends, don't listen to anyone. All the advice you get is absolutely fucking useless because your baby is different to their baby. End of. We're not having one baby that, you know, all things fit one. It doesn't work like that. And also the way you are and instinctively are is, is, is enough. And I think, you know, when I decided with my, with the way I was, you know, all my friends were very sort of, you know, it was London sort of posh, sort of everyone had a bugaboo, everyone had a Range Rover, everybody went to tambourine classes with their babies. And I hated it. I was the CEO of a company. I had shit to do. I wanted to get out and I wanted to get out quickly. So, you know, I couldn't do airplane feeding my babies. I didn't want to do it. And I made, I made that pretty clear very, very early on. And I decided to myself that I would do the bits that I enjoyed and wouldn't do the bits that I didn't because, the, you know, there's no point. What's the point of making yourself miserable? I agree 100%. Where was your guilt in that situation, right? What was the expectation of, say, the people watching you? Because I think, I think the truth is we make those decisions. And I know on my clearest day where I want to be true. I know on my clearest day that this is my job, my, you know, my calling, whatever the answer is. But fuck, it's still hard sometimes. It's still like, you know, when I miss the hockey game, and we're in Canada, so when I miss the hockey game or the, the football game or when I'm not the mom at the PTA meetings or I like, I'm not there to see that. I'm like, fuck, it's so hard, as you said at the beginning of the show, how to do both things, right? I can stand on stages and command an audience worldwide, but there's a cost for that. And the expectation is you're supposed to do both. No, is that, do, do you feel that pull? Well, I mean, you are, you're meant to fit it all in, but it, it doesn't work like that. We all know that. Like my daughter just went on her co college tour. Now, you know, I didn't get there. Number one, I was moving into this house, trying to make the rooms, you know, everything for all the children. So I could not leave. And also her father was with her. And, I, you know, actually my girlfriend who is like in college admissions, she said not many divorced parents do the tours together. And I said, look, I'll take you, I'll drop you off at college when you go. And these are just choices that you have to make. I was wor working as well. I was filming Housewives. So it is a full-time job on top of my job. You know, life doesn't stop, unfortunately. And my kids absolutely do say to me, you're, you're not around enough. Or they, they think that I'm, unlike other mothers, I'm always on a plane. You know, I'm about to leave to Los Angeles now for probably for about three weeks. But that is just life. Their father does it and he's, that's okay. It's not okay. There's no me. expectation. There's no expectation. Right. And I think I think where it hurts the most is when we haven't done had the conversations like this, right? When you can be really clear with why I do what I do, the impact that I can make in this world. And I always say this, Caroline, I say this all the time to people, is that I can't tell my babies how to chase their dreams. I, t I can't tell them how to be inclusive and anti-racist and kind. I have to show them. And if I didn't do the things that I love the most, they would hurt far more than if I just said, okay, I'm going to do this for you, which is what we've seen many women before us do. Now, will there be a cost? Yes. Will our kids be sad when we're not there? At certain, and, and I'm not sure how that's going to play out for our respective children. I mean, I guess that's that that remains to be seen. But what I know to be true in my heart is that you can't tell them how to chase their dreams or be successful or push the limits and boundaries of this world. You have to show them. No, I look at my parents, my mother and father were like on the brink of moving here. And then suddenly, you know, they looked at houses, looked at everything, love it. They've always said they wanted to live on the water. They are now 80 years old. 
and my mother is still waiting for my sister and my brother's kids to grow up at this point so that she can leave and start her life. Like, what? I don't get it. Like, I mean, you're 80. Like, like when, when is the bits that you want to do? I'm like, go and live on the water or go to Spain or wherever you want to live. And trust me, they will visit. Right. And, and so, so to your, you know, to your original question about burnout, here's what's really interesting to me. The definition of burnout, this, this theory. So it's not a diagnosis in North America. It is, it is a theory. It is, is a construct that suggests if the things outside of work intended to fill your soul are not greater than those that get sucked from your soul at work, you'll burn out. I mean, the original theory was created by a German psychologist named Freudenberger in 1974. And he basically, he was he was studying a drug-addicted population at the time. And what he noticed is that, you know, the colloquial term for people who use drugs excessively is called a, a burnout. And this is where this whole concept of, of workplace burnout started. Because he said, I, I noticed these people just pushing so hard at, to use that they just numb everything and they get burned out. He said, I see that in occupations where people just go so hard and then they just get burnt out. Here's what's interesting to me about it. He said, it's like if you don't put gas in a car, it stops running. If as an entrepreneur, your income doesn't every once in a while exceed your expenses, your business fails, right? Shocker. This is the same in burnout. If you continue to serve and serve and serve without an ability to refuel, to drop your shoulders, to take a breath, to understand what the greater purpose is outside of things maybe that motivate you like money or relationships, but like what is the purpose for this? If there isn't those pauses, that reflection, that that acknowledgement of who you are and what you're creating, you will burn out. And Freudenberger talks about it, which still stands to be true across multiple occupations. He said, here's the three things you'll notice in people who are burned out. Okay, so think about this. If you're listening to this, think about your team or your you as a person. You'll notice these three things, an emotional exhaustion, a lack of compassion and an experience of futility. And a futility, experience of futility basically means your give a shit is broken. Okay. So I'll tell you the first thing, emotional exhaustion, which makes a lot of sense to me because when we are overwhelmed and worried about our children, our business, our marriages, what's happening in Gaza in this moment, our shoulders are up. We are like this all the time. Yeah. And we are the first generation of parents that have had this much access to our children. We always talk about kids having the access to social media, but we've never had this much access to our kids. Your baby girl will be in college and you can track her any second. My parents sent me to college and they were like, well, let's hope we see her at Thanksgiving. Huh? Now, in that constant inundation of data, this is what happens. Is she okay? Why isn't she? <gasps> you have apps that can track how fast they drive, whether they've left their house. What are they doing? Huh? Which is supposed to be a good thing, but our, our system is not intended to take on this much data. I can look up anything right now in this moment. I can get, I, anybody can contact me on my phone. Even unbeknownst to me, my shoulders are like this, okay? Uncertainty, fear, no end in sight. Those are the things that make us the most emotionally dysregulated. And no doubt, expedited by a global pandemic, we have for the last three years had shoulders up here because we're worried about our physical and emotional safety too, as a globe. And when you do this all day, the second thing happens, you get exhausted. Emotional exhaustion tends to step in. The, the number one thing, I spent a lot of time talking about trauma in my practice, the body keeps the score. So if you spent your whole day, Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book of the same title, The Body Keeps the Score. When you spend your whole day up like this, when you go to lay down at night, your body doesn't know the threat is over. So you lay there and you're trying to relax and it's like, come on. My first question 
when I'm asking anybody about a mental health assessment is how is your sleep? Because when your sleep gets messed up, your ability to handle people is completely fucked. So Freudenberger said emotional exhaustion, your shoulders are up. Then you start to lose compassion for people. That is the second thing that we start to notice. You start to lose compassion. You used to be nice. I don't know if you remember this, but you used to be nice. And now when you're overwhelmed and tired and you're not sleeping very much because you're inundated by all this data, you lose empathy. You're at a traffic light and you pull up beside somebody in a purple Jeep and you want to fight them because they fucking bought a purple Jeep, which is the stupidest decision of all time, right? And you're like, well, what is even happening to me, right? I used to be kind, but you're chippy. Your shoulders are up. If that happens all the time in a workplace, the third thing steps in, which is futility. What's the point? right? You're leaving at three. Fuck it. Me too. What are they going to do? Give us a water bottle? Ooh, thank you for your service, right? It feels like there's no point. The world is too big. There's nothing that we can do to make a difference. And so you can imagine the weight of that looks like burnout. So uncertainty, fear, no end in sight is what gets our shoulders up. And Freudenberger would say then, here's the three things you'll notice in people who are burned out. Emotional exhaustion, a lack of compassion, and an experience of futility which means the people in your organization or your company or you yourself, right, have nothing left to give to the organization and you're exhausted when you come home. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's so common today just because, again, you know, everyone's thinking of different income. You know, we used to just go to work and we used to focus on one or two things. Now we focus on, as you said, a million things. You know, we have to ha- be making money in our sleep, so we're told. We're meant to be driving a, you know, a, a special car. We've got to bring up our kids, put them in private school. You know, when is time for us? And actually, you know, I was one of those people. I had a huge business. I was stressed out. I had, you know, so much stress on my plate. Then I got, you know, eight years of being sued. Then I did housewives. Then I moved moved house, you know, like a million times. You've been through so much. Well, yeah. Right? You've been through so much. Think about where your shoulders were that whole time. No, I know. Right, Caroline, the the ability to even just give yourself a break, your system. And and here's the definition of burnout, right? It, it, you can't be burnt out if there wasn't once a flame. Oh, I think, right? I think the important thing now is that I've taken at my age and I've built, you know, my home and I finally settled and got myself back and got married and I have a much softer sort of husband is that now I make real my husband says you do everything in bed I mean I don't I I take an afternoon (laughs) I take a few hours in the afternoon I get up early I go to the gym I I made my PA write my workout into my week so that those things don't change I get up in the morning I have my juice I have my coffee I try and sit on the balcony the first thing I do is open the curtains and open the window so I can hear the river and from that moment, I feel so much better. And it's just little things. I, I, I read about putting the phone down before bed. I mean, all, although the last two days, I haven't been able to do that because of what's been going on. I've been glued to the phone. But I had actually deleted all the news apps off my phone. I had got there. I had done all of that. But now they're back on. Whilst this is going on, it's very hard to sort of take your eyes off off today's, you know, I, I, I want to live in a bubble, but I don't want to be ignorant either. Yes, yes, that's so true. And I think, you know, to your point, this is so true. If there was one thing I could tell, you know, the people listening today, there's a couple of things I think about all the time, right, is, is in order to stay reconnected these days, 
just being very conscious of a couple of things changes everything. You have access to the best parts of yourself when you are something called emotionally regulated, which means you are in a state of calm. And so one of the things that you can't control often is, is what's happening in the run of a day, what you're reading and seeing and feeling and hearing. And so part of the agency that we all have in any moment is to simply do this, to drop your shoulders. And I often go through this thing, you know, when, we're, when I'm given a talk about just drop your shoulders, drop your tongue from the roof of your mouth, relax your jaw. One of the most primitive responses to stress is we slam our tongues to the roof of our mouth. I just, sorry, I, I just literally yesterday had someone come in and give me, a, I don't know what it's called, a buccal massage. You know, your Yes, yes, inside, your jaw. Yeah, inside yes, my mouth. Yes. Wow. Isn't that weird? Yes. I know. So you, you drop this, you drop this, drop your shoulders wiggle your toes and let your gut out. Because as women, often we, we, we're like this. We're like, oh no, we're relaxed. So when you go through that place, and oftentimes we don't remember the whole sequence. So I just write a note. I tell people to do this. Write a note on your bathroom mirror that just says shoulders, right? And see, when I even, I, I will just tell the listeners, I just watched Trion. What happens when you even just drop your shoulders is your body feels in a moment that it's safe. It's safe and it actually even allows you to yawn because when you're in a state of safety, right, you're not ready to fight or flight. And so many times in therapy, this happens. You know, people will say to me after we do some EMDR or talk about, you know, whatever, getting their body into a safe place, they'll say, I just want to sleep. Why am I so tired every time? And when you're given the permission to relax, it's almost like we have to do it on purpose because we will worry about all the things that are going wrong way before we will fix or fixate on the things that are going well. And so it's this idea of you put a note in your phone, on your computer, on your bathroom mirror that just says shoulders. And every time you see it, all I want you to do is just drop them. And I promise you, every time you see that note or you get that little reminder, your shoulders are going to be up around your ears. Because this is the place we operate in, especially when we're strong, powerful women just fixated on changing the world. Like I'm so fucking motivated to have the number one podcast in the world. I'm going to have a New York Times bestseller. I'm going to speak on every continent because I think what we talk about needs is not only life changing. I think it's life saving. And I'm in such a position of privilege that I better fucking use it. And so most of the time I feel the responsibility of that, which means, am I also fucking my kids up, which is, you know, 90% of the deal. And so my shoulders are up here. And so on purpose, if I am going to be able to serve the world and do all of these things that I want to do, the first stop is my shoulders. So let's take a little pause from the show. I just wanted to say this show has been sponsored by Regain Couples Therapy by BetterHelp. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? Everyone knows that relationships take work. But how do you actually do that work? I mean, I'm divorced. And that was the time that my ex-husband and I actually did use couples therapy. But I found it quite hard for us because at that time of our lives, I had a big business. He was traveling back and forth from another country. So to be able to do couples therapy and commit to once a week in the same place was very, very hard for us. That's what I love so much about therapy with better help, because actually they are convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. You don't have to fit around their schedule. So whether you're on a honeymoon phase or just partners for life, set aside time to listen to each other and work through conflicts that can transform your relationships. 
that's something I actually have learned and taken into my relationship with Sergio on how to talk more. Because I think so many of us, when you've had long, long term relationships or you grew up with each other, find it very, very hard to have conversations. So you can learn to voice your needs and understand more about your partner's needs and find out ways to support both of them. And I think that's really important. Sometimes having a third party listen to you and not a friend and not someone who's invested in your relationship is key. You know, I found that it really, really did help us to listen to someone else's point of view and just sort of give you tools that maybe you hadn't thought about or ways to split roles or, you know, just ideas that just sort of help you implement what you really already know. If your relationship's having ups and downs, really don't worry. It's so normal. And working on yourself and your relationship is something to be proud of. So consider giving Regain a try. It's entirely online, as I said, and totally convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So you don't have to drive, park, you know, commit yourself to going somewhere once a week when you don't know what your schedule is going to be. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. The best relationships are always worth fighting for. Try something new in therapy. Visit Regain.com slash Uncut Uncensored today. Get 10% off your first month. That's Regain.com slash Uncut Uncensored. I hope this helps. Let's get back to the show. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key, and the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I also want to have the best of everything. I want to be the biggest podcaster. I want to have the best TV show. I want to, you know, I'm building a house in Bali with my my husband. We're doing so many things. I can't even like, it's ridiculous. And then I say, I to, love that. No, it's amazing. But at the same time, it it's amazing. like, I sometimes sit back and go, when is it enough? Right. What is enough? When am I going to be fully satisfied that actually I can stop now? Right. Like you have arrived. Yes. And I think that's the thing that I want you to think about often. You know, I have this conversation with my team frequently. We look at each other and I say to them right now, in this moment, we've arrived. If it gets nothing better than this for the rest of my days, I am so grateful. I have three healthy babies. I adore my husband, not every single day, but like most days. And I, I'm making enough money for us to do whatever we want to do. And if I don't do any of those things, it's just fine. My biggest thought then is, can I do this with my shoulders dropped? Because then I have access to the best parts of myself. And then I know when I need to take a break or it's too much. If I am operating on bust, I'm losing access to all of those things. I think I've also made a big decision in the last, I don't know, six months, I suppose. Number one, to friend clear out. What does that mean? Well, to just people that don't aren't on your sort of positive energy journey who don't get you, that you're always having to explain yourself. I think absolutely just deafen the noise. 
And number two was to make time for myself now, like really make time for me to do the things I want to do on my own. When I need peace, I take it. And I say no to things. I never said no. I could never use that word because, you know, if someone offers me a job or to do something, I just wanted to do it all. And now I've realized that actually it doesn't benefit me. And sometimes I just have to tell people no. And, and even if you're letting them down. Well, and, and listen, you matter so much to so many. I think about this, Caroline, but also anybody listening, you matter so much to so many. In this moment, you are important to so many people. And if you are not okay, they don't stand a chance. And I think as women, we often feel like it's selfish to be able to sort of take that, that moment in the morning and meditate or to be still or to have our cup of coffee before we check anything or to be able to take a day and, and journal or go to the spa or go for a run or whatever that it is. I know that I'm better to the people I love the most and that I'm responsible and committed to the most if, if my shoulders are dropped. If I've done something in that day to experience two things, agency and gratitude, then from that place, it doesn't mean I, I forgive everybody. It doesn't mean I'm not a bitch some days. It doesn't mean that my assholery-ish level does not meet all-time highs. But I know that I, am, I have access to the best parts of myself when I'm regulated. I feel exactly the same way. And I feel like, you know, I can sort of hover. I have this way of like hovering above myself and seeing a bigger picture and bringing myself back down. I've also learned not to be, you know, as triggered by things as, as I was and just saying you can't control everybody. And I think keeping my circle a little bit smaller, which is something I wasn't good at, good at is just really helped me because, you know, I mean, it's difficult because I'm on, you know, a conflict show, as it were, where, you know, you kind of have to have a resolution with people. You have to sort of maybe bend a little bit more than you normally would. But it actually yeah. has also taught me, I don't. I don't. You can, yeah. you can agree to disagree and say, we will live this way. You absolutely can. And, and the issue isn't about if you're going to do it, it's how. And I think that so much about this ability to repair relationship only happens when we're in a state of calm. Here's the set of rules that I talk about all the time. Be kind and don't tolerate bullshit in that order. And it doesn't mean if you are kind to somebody and you give them the benefit of the doubt or grace or empathy, it also does not mean that you tolerate bullshit at the same time. You need to know in order to have a healthy relationship with somebody, they also need to know where your limits are, your boundaries are. But in order to find out what those are, they have to push up against them. And having those conversations becomes sometimes the most important in friendships that last. Boundaries are massive, I think, at our age you know, massive at this point. And it's so important. And I, you know, I wasn't good at it before. And I think I wasn't good at it because I was so busy. Well, so many people aren't good at it. Do you, do you think it's a function of age though, Caroline? I mean, I, I don't meet many young people that are just fucking crushing it in the boundary world because I do think there's a stage in our life where it is, we do have to say yes to everything. We do have the energy, the capacity to take things on. And I think it is a little bit, and it, I don't think there's a timeline on it, but I think it's an experience. I think it's about wisdom to be able to be like, okay, just a second. This resource, this energy that I have isn't, isn't infinite. And if I want to continue to do the things that I want to do, and some people don't arrive here, right? Some people just continue to do this for the rest of their lives. I think it's age because you get more confident and you understand that your time is worth something. 
I yeah, will still yeah. do things out of passion and love because I enjoy them more than anything else. And I think the most successful you'll ever be, as I've said, you know, to anyone is if you enjoy what you do, then you will automatically be successful at it, I think. And, you know, I fell into all the businesses I've ever done and, you know, the ones that haven't fallen still here and I'm jo loving you know, it's always a surprise in a way. And that's why I was saying, I think people are very hard on themselves. You don't necessarily There's... have to know where you're going to be, what you're going to do, where you're going to end up. I think pivoting is the biggest thing that we can offer ourselves today and being malleable to where we are today and being kind to yourself. How much time do you spend reflecting on just how amazing you are? And I, and I say that with all due respect. I don't I, I think quite often I, I had this question I ask, uh, I ask quite often on my podcast, like what do you know how amazing you are? Do you get to ever reflect on just what you've accomplished in this world? How many people that you have impacted? Do you, do you ever get some time to reflect on that? Or is there often just a like, what's next? What's next? You know what? It's really funny you say that because no, I've never laid there. And actually, I get phone calls. I remember I had this, um, he's a, like a waiter that used to come and work at my house. And every year he sends me a card to let me know that he started this like butlering service in London where he goes and does all these beautiful parties. And he said, I'll never forget you because you had such an impact on my life. And I get these letters from oh. him every single year for probably, I don't know, 20 years now. And he ended up working wow. with the royal family and all of this. And, and my driver wrote to me from England, having said, you know, you were the best boss I've ever had. And so, yes. And I get those things kick me sometimes. And I look back at all the people that I have employed or have worked for me. You know, my, my PA now has been working with me since she was 19 years old. She's 31. You know, I mean, wow. that's kind of crazy. So it's not till I really sit. And it, it actually happened to me once, I think, when I had a gift library. And it was a Christmas party. And I realized because I started gift library at home with one, me and my secretary. And then we got to 80 something females. And I remember wow. sitting at a table for Christmas and it was a table, it was a room, rooms of people going, oh my God, I didn't even know how I got here. I don't understand it. Barely know everybody's names, but it sort of felt overnight. And I'm like, I employ all these people. I'm responsible for all these people. How the fuck <laughs> did that happen? And, yeah. <laughs> It was cr it's I crazy, that. but no, no, I, I don't think I ever sit down and celebrate myself, but we probably all should. Oh, oh my gosh. And even just in this moment, right, even to watch you set into that, just even for a second, what that brings back is some of the people who you've influenced, right? A driver, a butler, a, you know, a, a person who you mentored, because really this is truly what success is. It is the people that we build relationships with along the way. And it doesn't mean, I mean, I, I think about all the people who I've had to fire or let go or break their hearts. And it, it doesn't mean that it's about we're always going to be, you know, the heroes in this story. But it's so much about do not ever underestimate your power to change the life of a human. And that is where that, that's where our legacies are going to come from. When I get to sit down in, you know, when I ever wrap this few trips around the sun up, I'm going to remember those people that I know I impacted. And it usually is far less than the big accomplishments we get with an award or a show or a, you know, ranking on a podcast. It is truly the ability to wave at a kid in the street. It's truly the ability to give somebody a compliment at the hockey game. It is really the ability to, you know, when somebody, I'm in an elevator with somebody and they, you know, take my 
whatever. And I, and I just like, oh my God, thank you so much. Right. Like, look at me, tell me about your kids. What is that thing? Because we also desperately just want to feel seen and we've never felt so invisible before. And, and I think that's where, that's where the biggest success comes from, because in order to give somebody an acknowledgement, your shoulders have to be down. You can't acknowledge anybody when your shoulders are up like this. So it's sort of a twofold thing for me. I know when I'm being at my best, I'm actually watching and noticing other people, not just worried about me. And when I am operating from that place, I will be infinitely more successful. Actually, I was watching David and Victoria Beckham's documentary and it was it was the last bit that really got me because I'd watched all of it. And I, you know, I'm not a massive fans or any of, of, of them particularly. But by the end of it, I was just when she said, I got to the age now where I'm just content. And it's a very powerful word, content, as a woman. Yes. Because I think yes. that's exactly where I've got to. And she's exactly yeah. the same age as me. And I'm, very, I'm wondering whether it's just like a switch that we all get because we're so busy chasing a life that we want in our 20s and our 30s that when you get to your 40s, you are simply content. No matter how stressed I get, I can just go to the balcony, look outside, and I'm like, I'm content. I have three kids. I have a wonderful husband. I have three gorgeous dogs. I have a turtle that's hilarious. I love my <laughs> garden. And before, all I wanted was like, you know, a manor and a, you know, God knows what and you know, everything. Yes. Oh, you want, you want, you want. And I think it's that that switch of reflecting from sort of not what you want, but what you have. And I think that's that's the impetus. That's the platform to gratitude which is really, you know, the two things. Paul Conti talks about this, you know, what is the cornerstones to mental well-being, mental health? And he said it's two things, agency and gratitude. Like, what do we have control over? What's the agency, right? I, I can't decide how that bitch on Housewives is going to respond to me. I can't figure out what I'm going to do when my baby is, you know, telling me I'm not a good mom today. What do I have control over? I have control over how I respond to it. Do I, what's my agency? Drop my shoulders. And then the second piece to that is gratitude. And it gets a bad rap because people are always like, oh, fucking gratitude. But here's the deal. Gratitude is really about really switching that mindset to like, what is going well? When you're out on that balcony and you go, look at my three kids. Look what they have survived and accomplished. And they're amazing human beings. Look at these dogs, this human. How did I attract this husband into my world? How do I, how did I create this space where I can employ people? And make them feel like they make a massive difference in this world. Look at look at that. When we operate from that perspective, it takes it has to be done on purpose. You see, because if left to our own devices, what we will find is all the things, all the shit that's going wrong. Because we're we were raised that way, many of us, right? Be prepared for all the bad stuff. Don't let your guard down because then you won't be ready for it. Huh? And so we're like, oh my God, what if this person gets sick? What if my kid dies? What if this happens? What if I lose all my money? <laughs> and then we lose the ability. Yeah. And we try and sort of cotton wool around ourselves. And I think that's exactly true. I think I'm going through this right now. I'm in like with some of my castmates who I find it very hard to tolerate, but you're right. And then I, I look at my, my life and I'm going, look what I've got. My husband is like, he makes me giggle every single day. So like they may wind me up, but I come home to a really stable, really funny, really happy home life and amazing friends. And I'm like, it's just a show. So it's- Oh my God. It is just, a, do you know what the most vulnerable emotion on the planet is? Think about every emotion you can feel. What is the most vulnerable emotion? Hmm. 
Go on, tell me. It's joy. People say this to me. Is it shame? Is it fear? Is it whatever? <laughs> you are at your most vulnerable when you are belly laughing with your babies. And if you are in a relationship with a partner who can make you giggle, that is the number one trick to a long, healthy life. Because if you can surround yourself with people, I often ask this all the time, which is why I think you need a personal psychologist on the, on the set. I'm just, I'm not offering, I'm just telling you. Because what would happen is how do we get back to the best parts? It doesn't mean everybody has to love each other, but how do we drop our shoulders and figure this shit out? Because we all come from our story. Context, story is the prerequisite for empathy. And when I know somebody's story, it doesn't mean I'm going to forgive or condone or support what you do, but it is the antithesis to burnout. It is the antidote to burnout. It is the antidote because it allows me then to stay in the game. And if I can find some joy, mm-mm-mm. I think it, I think that is like very powerful place because, you know, as I said, I wake up in the morning, opening that window, I look at my vision board, I remind myself of my joy first thing. So all the good things, and then I tick off on my vision board whatever's come come already and I can see it even if it's for two minutes and then you know we have our coffee every single morning and you know even with the atrocities that are going on right now you can feel fucking grateful that we live where we live in a crazy crazy world where everybody could literally be you know you could be at home quaking in your boots you need to find a reason to get out of that bed and say actually you know, if I stay here and just collapse, nothing will happen. But if I get up and make it the world a better place from and do as much as I can, then, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of working towards something. A hundred percent. And we get overwhelmed all the time about what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And I'll just tell you this. I mean, it starts at home. Y- your only job today is to do the next best right kind thing. Do not underestimate your power to be able to just send a text to your child, wave at your kid's teacher, give your partner a compliment, connect to that person, you know, the the person who, you know, used to work for and just say, you know what, I remember those days when you worked for me, you were incredible. I just wanted to let you know I was thinking about you today. That's how we change the world. We do that one, the next best right kind thing, because that's all we have control over. Pay it forward, people. Pay it forward. And if you haven't seen that movie, I suggest you all go out and watch it. Um, but, you know, silly little thing. And that, that's not a silly little thing. But there was, you know, you can do silly small things and pay it forward. Yeah. You know, Sergio and I have done it. Sergio's king of doing this. He loves to find people and buy them groceries on the street. You don't have to go and give them hundreds of thousands of dollars to change their lives. You can take someone straight into a store and buy them what they need. And that, you know, that changes someone's life just as much as the big gestures, just to know someone saw them, as you said, to be seen. So I think if, you know, everybody just takes a little bit of kindness today, especially in light of everything we're going through, and that will, number one, take the overwhelming feeling from everybody because everybody's helping everybody else. Number two, we can be kinder to ourselves and maybe less people will burn out and more men will feel less useless. And we can all do something like kind of as a team, I suppose. I mean, that's it. Look it. We said we were going to solve the problems of the world and we did. In 45 minutes. You're welcome. We did. Yeah. In 45 she, minutes. Jesus. You put two strong women together and look what fucking happens. <laughs> we'll have to do this again. Thank you so much, Dr. Jody. Amazing. 
Uh, really amazing. I've loved having you on and you certainly said you could speak. So can I. So this has been great. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. Please tell everyone how they find you, where, what, uh, where to look you up. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. DrJodyCarrington.com is where all of uh, we land all over social. My podcast is called Everyone Comes From Somewhere. I would just love to have your little community uh, be a part of ours. So I hope they find us. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Uncut and Uncensored with Caroline Stanbury. Thank you for listening. You can catch my new episode of my podcast every Wednesday. Please don't forget to follow so you don't miss any of the action. I want to hear from you, so leave me a rating and a review. Follow us on social for all the behind-scenes action and more information at Uncut and Uncensored by Caroline. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.